Go file your police report. Go do whatever you need to do. But I tell you what, you better cut the tree from the yard then, okay? Yeah, it is. It's none of those. You come to the okay? You don't shut the fuck up. You don't shut up, bitch. No, I don't murder you. Okay? No, that's your old camera said. You got to give a shit. from Los Angeles for this Roland Martin unfiltered exclusive. I have so many comments on this. First and foremost, thank you so much for joining us and I am so sorry you had to go through this. Yeah, me too. So, so the, the, first, the first point I wanted to bring up was one, you're outside cutting the grass. You may have went in a little bit onto his property potentially. Who complains about that? I mean, seriously, who complains about someone stepping on their grass? I mean, I, you know, uh, that's the first thing. And then to for it to escalate to the point where your neighbor's son threatened to murder you, called you racial slurs. I heard monkey being thrown out during that tirade. And, I, and, and so I'm just trying to find out, is this the first time this kind of incident has happened? And then tell me um, a little bit about how we got to the point where we saw the video where the sun was coming out and threatening you. Well, um, this is the first time that particular incident happened and got to that point. Um, I've had amicable relations as far as communicating with the neighbor. Hi, how are you? times where he was upset with the HOA and he wanted to uh, press charges against the HOA as far as filing a lawsuit and what have you. However, um, we have said hi off and on and then the neighbor began to stop talking. So I stopped talking and I said that this neighbor was not um, very same to me in his mindset off and on communication so i just eliminated all communications so i was caught off guard by his behavior actually 
And so you said that wasn't the first incident or instance of you guys kind of, I guess, so to speak, butting heads. So when was the point where it got to this point where threats were being made and that's when you made the police report? So I, the only time I could kind of, I don't know if we believe, but heads, he was a little bit upset because one of my neighbors, or well, actually a tenant, drove on the grass, which I agreed with him. That should have not occurred. I thought, you know, everything was good to go. That was months prior. I've never interacted with his son. So all of this was very fresh and very new to me. I became very, I guess, aggravated by his actions because he was banging on his kitchen window at me when his guy cuts his grass they go over in my yard um, as you can see the property line is very hard to define it's kind of defined based on the different colors of the building so if you could take that and try to walk your way out uh, onto the grass you can see it's very blurred never ever have had any issues of such with any of the other neighbors actually so I was caught off guard by his behavior. Mm -hmm. I've never talked to his son whatsoever. What was going through your mind that day? And I believe it was on August 6th. What was going through your mind? You're outside, you're cutting your grass, you're just trying to make sure your lawn looks great. And then he comes out and starts making these statements. Kind of walk us through that and what you were thinking and what you were feeling at that moment. So when I was outside initially cutting my grass, I was in a very good space. Actually, I was listening to Kirk Franklin praise. I was singing. I was really thanking the Lord just for my ability. Uh, his son actually came outside and sat at the table with his shades on and he lit a cigar, which he could do that. I don't care. I was pulling weeds at the time and I was determined that I was not uh, going to lose my focus whatsoever. And then I guess after I didn't say anything to the son or pay attention to him, he went back on the inside. And that's when the knocking on the kitchen window started. And my thing was like, what? What do you want? You know, um, leave me alone. Leave me alone, literally. So in my mind, I felt as if I was basically being harassed. And I did not expect for him to come outside. I expected for him to stop knocking. Uh, this camera has been on my properties for quite some time. So it's not like he didn't know he was being videoed. Actually, I used to have the ring say, uh, you are now being recorded. That was an issue for him. So um, being a neighbor, wanting to keep things in good space, I actually turned that part of the camera off. But I've always kept my cameras on. I've never had any issues with any other neighbor. Um, this particular neighbor, in my opinion, my mindset was, okay, you told me before your family came from Germany. You told me before you live in your mother's home. You asked about taxes. There were certain things he wanted to know that I was not willing to share with him. So his mindset, even in saying, which a lot of people throw that weight out there, he knew the sheriff, which I really didn't care, but uh, it was kind of like a white privilege thing to me. He had an issue because I had a nice sidewalk, which the previous owners had done. He had an issue because I had a garage with um, an apartment on top where you see those stairs. Um, and that's where the camera is actually coming from, which is on my property. So uh, I'm not sure where all this came from. It definitely uh, aggravated my anxiety. Um, I'm, I'm a former veteran. 
um, served in the Army. Um, my son was assaulted by uh, the police, so um, not first encounterment as far as hostility or, or um, issues based on race, and I do say it was racial. I uh, actually um, went to the Defense Equal Opportunity Management Institute, Daomi, in Florida, so I, I understand what the system says, white privilege is, or how different people think. Um, and I'm not saying that all people are bad people, but in this particular case, this neighbor has an issue. And um, I became afraid, just going to be honest, uh, in real talk. Uh, I, I am a concealed weapon carrier. I've never really carried my weapon on me, but now I kind of do, wanting to make myself comfortable with carrying it. Um, I, when I get back to South Carolina, I'm actually talking with my counselor, possibly of getting um, a, uh, a dog that I can have with me, um, one as protection, but then two to also help calm some of my anxiety. Because I don't know, I mean, you can see where we live, right next door to each other. You can see this guy, he burst out and started yelling at me and calling me out of my name. I, I don't really know um, what his mindset is and what he will or will not do. Well, I can absolutely understand the fear of that because, again, you're just cutting your grass and you have someone running at you talking about they're going to murder you. Yeah, yeah. And then he turned around and he said to me, and he didn't excuse the expression, give a shit. And so, bam, shit. Silence, hidden, and trauma. I guess he got a whole lot of trauma going on. Hmm. Um, he didn't care. And after I got the police report, I learned that the officer, as far as I was concerned, was very biased. And he also was in the defense of um, the neighbor and his son based on me not responding intimidated by this particular neighbor and what he said. Now we have the police report right here and there's actually a line from the police report that I would like to read for our viewers. Um, we, we don't want to show it to protect our um, interviewee's privacy. Um, but basically in the uh, police report it states that quote, due to the lack of ability on the part of the subject to carry out his threat, no further action was taken. So yeah. this individual can come outside, threaten to murder you, call you racial slurs, and because he didn't act upon it, we're not, we're not going to take any further action. How did you feel about that when you filed this report and the police were like, yeah, we're not going to do anything because he didn't do anything to you? So when the officer showed up, he told me that he had to talk to the neighbor as well, which I understood that. I understood protocol. Then um, he also, another officer approached and began to talk to him. That officer did not talk to me. Um, that officer did not say to me, hey, calm down, it's okay, it's a misunderstanding or any of that. So when I went to pick up the police report that following Monday, because I'm real serious about a restraining order, I don't know who they are, I don't know the mindset, I was caught off guard. Um, and I saw the way he wrote that report, I was livid. I literally burst in tears. Um, I literally felt that um, even though this guy threw things out there, that what he said, there may be some truth to that as far as who he knew. Um, the other officer, he did not talk to me whatsoever. And I'm, I'm, I've got some concerns. Um, I really, really do. I have a, I'm walking truthfully in faith because I have a lot of faith, um, but I'm not, I know that God, is not causing us to be stupid either. I know for a fact that I'm protected um, because I truly, I truly believe that I'm protected because had not 
there been interference by his father, I really believe that that guy would have come and caused me some harm. And I shared that also with the police. And um, I spoke with a captain or whoever after the fact, and they're like, oh, yeah, 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 we understand. Just keep your cameras, blah, blah, blah. Um, but I have concerns. Well, thankfully, you had that camera footage because we also have the footage of the neighbor saying that it's illegal for you to record him. Yeah, but then you have the police saying, no, keep recording him. So you, you have conflicting things going on. Had you not had that video, we wouldn't even be having this conversation. So thankfully, you have that as evidence. Yeah, probably not. Um, and, and again, um, the officers, because I was actually at the magistrate office when this guy went and stood in front of the, the uh, property line and started talking to my camera. And I immediately asked officers uh, if what I was doing was illegal. And they told me absolutely not. All he was trying to do was to intimidate me. And he's not going to intimidate me. I'm not moving. Let's bring in our panelists, because I'm sure they have plenty of questions to ask. Let's start off with Terrain. Do you have any questions for um, Ms. Shirley Ann? Ms. Shirley Ann, um, first of all, I want to say um, I'm very sorry that you had to deal with that, and I'm very sorry that you had to deal with the anxiety of an attack like that. Um, yeah, I got some questions. I got some things I want to say, but I'm not going to say them right now, so I'll just ask you straight up. Um, how? What's the situation now? Have you, have you had any other run-ins with this individual, these two individuals? Have there been any kind of contact between you all? Um, so after the first incident, um, the second thing was, was when he came out and he, to me, took this position of, of posture of attention. Again, I've been in the military or this posture of intimidation. And he says to me, um, um, you are illegally recording me and I am going to have a warrant put off for your arrest because you are trespassing on my property and you can't record me and my attorney will send you a letter. Thank you very much. And then he walks off with this militant whatever posture. Um, so it's kind of been like church mice quiet. Um, I have friends that are Caucasian with, who cut my yard, and so they said to me, when they get back, don't worry, we're going to cut your grass. We cut it before, nothing was ever said, so we're going to see what happens now. And it's, it's interesting that he has a African-American male who cuts his grass, who I wanted to serve, allowed him to cut my grass. The first time he did a good job, the second time he botched up my grass, but I didn't say anything to him. I saw it on the camera. And it allowed me to believe that he was in cahoots with the neighbor because he never came back to me and said, ma'am, do you want me to continue to cut your grass or, or no interactions whatsoever. So um, and then I took a, got on the plane, yay, to come support my son in uh, his film festival release of the short film, A War on Friendly Grounds, um, King Joshua Martin, which of course the same Sheriff's Department, Richland County Sheriff's Department, Columbia, South Carolina, were the ones who came to my um, assistance to take the report. And I was very shocked to learn that this officer actually closed the report because I told him that I wanted to put a restraining on her. And I was like to this captain who sounded like me, okay, so what's protocol? Nobody never called uh, to, to reach out to me. I filed an internal affairs. I still have not heard from them. I don't know what's in my mail when I'll get back, but 
Yeah, I think it, they just kind of brushed it over like it was nothing. But it is something for me. It is definitely, in a, it's in my mind. When somebody says to somebody that they're going to murder, murder you, I, I don't take that lightly. People lose their lives off of road rage, you know. I don't take it lightly. I'm a little bit on edge uh, for my family, for my children. And I'm, I'm walking the course. I had neighbors across from me, but... Yeah, I'm concerned because I don't know when they'll come out and when they won't. I do plan to install another camera on the other side of the building, and uh, I'm just going to make sure I stay in tune with myself. Sorry, did Ms. Shirley, you did you say that you were Yes, I do. Ms. Shirley, did you say that you were licensed? I am licensed to carry. And, and the strange thing uh, is, um, you know, I was not carrying. Um, because I know it's the person behind the gun and not necessarily the gun itself. But um, I went on a walk, I carried, uh, just to, I'm working at making myself feel comfortable with, uh, with this carrying uh, process. So I have a neighbor who also um, teaches the, the classes. So him and I are gonna go back to the range and we are going to um, do some target practice. Yeah. And as okay, a veteran, so you should be able to get that um, either discounted or for free. Don't ask me how I know that. But you should be able to get that for free. So uh, make sure you ask about that when you go to the range. Got it. Mm -hmm. um, Erica. Um, so first and foremost, um, I hope and pray that you feel safe where you are. That's the first thing that came up for me. And um, as everyone on the panel, you know, really, um, our heart goes out to you for this position that you have to be in. And as a veteran myself, um, I salute you and thank you for your service. Um, that this is definitely not something. Oh, bless you. Thank you so much. And um, I honor you and how you're standing in your faith. You know, one foot in the kingdom, but one foot um, in the natural understanding, the balance of both of those things. Um, I have some familiarity with Columbia, South Carolina, and um, can say to you that um, what you experience with regard to law enforcement is of no surprise. Um, they are like an angel um, from A to Z. Um, however, one of the things that I did hear you say was that homeowners association for where you live. So I'm wondering um, how you have navigated communicating um, a severe threat. You know, what we would say in the military would be a threat con delta. So I would consider this a threat con delta, especially with someone not only verbally attacking you, um, but to also issue a real threat. Uh, how has the homeowners association, if you communicated this with them, been able to help to navigate um, maybe even removing, I'm not sure if he's leasing or if he's paying a mortgage there, but um, have they been of help with um, this hostile neighbor that you have that has issued a real threat to you and to your life? So I actually shared the video. Um, she was actually taken by surprise and um, she shared that she would take it to their legal team. Like I said, maybe a week or so after I left and I came to um, to LA. I think that following weekend, I actually uh, flew out here or it might've been a week. Just kind of tried to keep myself busy. Um, still waiting to also hear back from them. The neighbors are aware. I didn't realize how, how it really impacted me 
until the same day, was it the same day? It was the same day. I was at the pool walking because I went to go to the association not realizing that they were closed because it was a Saturday. And it was like my mind just racing. And I, um, the, one of the neighbors, white female, she stopped and she talked to me and she said, I heard a whole lot of noise, but I didn't know what was going on. So I shared it with her. And there was this Caucasian male that was across the street and he stopped and he said, hey, I have no idea where this guy was, but he said, hey, are you okay? And I literally just burst in tears. One for a couple of reasons. One, because I didn't realize how traumatic that experience was for me because, you know, we're all tough, hua hua, whatever. And the other part was that that man looked like the man who threatened me and he, he cared enough to inquire um, about me. So I had kind of mixed emotions going on with me um, at that time. When I get back, I do plan to do um, a follow-up. Uh, this neighbor told me some time ago that he was going to put a fence up. I'm waiting on him. I wish he would put a fence up. Um, on the long side of um, my property that you cannot see uh, is some vegetation and like fruit or whatever. And I was, I said to him when he told me about putting up the fruit, um, uh, excuse me, the fence, I said to him that I wanted to plant, you know, some herbs or whatever. And he's like, well, you're not going to be able to get to it. Well, there's a meter over there. I'm smart enough to know that Dominion, uh, which is a small, uh, electricity gas company, has to have access to that meter. But I was a little bit taken back because he said no, but I didn't give him any reaction to his comment uh, as far as saying to me, no, he would not allow anything or whatever. I'm like, whatever, got it, next. Um, yeah, because, I mean, it's your property. Do whatever the heck you want to do with it. If your property doesn't allow certain things, what I do know is that they have to access that meter. Put your fence up. In the end, it was like, that means I don't have to look at you. I don't care. You know, and that's my kind of my attitude. And what I what I what I have found growing up in America is when we take that type of attitude, it is the individuals who are uncomfortable and who they are that attempt to oppress and or intimidate someone else to change their mindset. Uh, Reese, I'm going to get to you in one second um, and let you ask your question. But I wanted to ask um, Shirley Ann, um, just as far as something that you stated, you said you saw an individual who looked like the man. And even though it wasn't him, you ended up bursting out, you know, bursting into tears and crying. I'm almost wondering if this uh, incident almost caused a sort of PTSD, so to speak. And oh, Go on. You, you don't have to wonder. I'll tell you right after that, it, it was. One, because I didn't think it would happen to me. Um, it happened to my son. And so I went through that experience uh, with my son, King Jaquel. Even when I went to the uh, film festival this past weekend to watch War on Friendly Ground, it was very, 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 very real to me um, to rewatch that movie. It was like living it all over again. Oh, yeah. Well, as someone who's gone through trauma, um, being attacked, and who is a, a big proponent for going to counseling, um, I would suggest um, seeking out that only for several reasons. One, for your own mental health to help you, but as well as you'll have record that this incident, you know, that this incident caused you to potentially have this sort of distress. So that way, when you do take it further with the police, or if you decide to take this to court, you will have record 
of how this incident impacted you, um, something you never should have had to go through at all. Um, and if you have a local vet center, I used to be in Columbia, South Carolina. There's the Columbia Vet Center that you can go to, and they will see you. You don't ha even have to give them all your information. You just show up and say, hey, I need to talk to someone, and they'll definitely help you. So I just wanted to offer that um, information. Um, on that note, though, uh, Reese, uh, what are your thoughts? Um, first of all, Miss Montgomery, I'm sorry that you had to experience this. Um, I have to say, I do like your style. I liked your energy in that video. A lot of times we do, you know, put on the veneer of strength. And even though we're terrified on the inside, but I do appreciate how you conducted yourself by not backing down. Uh, one comment is, um, I would suggest maybe not you, because I understand how distressing this is, but maybe an ally, maybe a neighbor. I'm checking their social media and seeing if they're saying anything about this to help use against them at some point. If it's a civil suit or uh, restraining order, you know, a lot of times these folks have to tell on themselves. So I would I would make that recommendation. And then the other the question I have for you is, um, since you aren't getting uh, a lot of cooperation out of the police department, is there somebody in city government that you can reach out to, um, you know, to kind of enlist to help you uh, with getting more responses out of the police department? So I did speak with um, my counselor. I'm big on counseling. I believe that it helps us. Um, and so what she recommended was I reach out to Sheriff Leon Lott, send him the video. He may or may not be aware of what was going on. And um, I mean, it's, it'll be interesting to see how they'll respond because they will learn that I am the mother of the officer from that same department who assaulted my son. So that's going to be kind of interesting. And I had a conversation with Leon Lott, um, had a recording, don't know where it is, when my son's incident happened in 05. And what I understood was, uh, what I said to him was very professionally, is that officers are indicative of their leaders. Of course, that comes from my military background. Your, your soldier is indicative of how you lead them. And he probably took that offensive. And it, for me, it was like a threat, like, um, don't call the police department, don't come to the police department, internal affairs has it. And I felt that if I would have went to that police department, you probably would have arrested me for some petty charge of, of harassing the police or whatever. So I kind of backed away a little bit, but the message was very clear. So we'll see how he will respond to me. Um, as far as I do, I promise you, when you all read, did the clip and then my address was there, I was like kind of cringed a little bit, but um, my my whole piece is one. I know that God has me, and two, I just believe it'll work out for my good. And three, um, if this guy is not a part of the process of the end, and of course I know we can speed things up with life, then he can't touch me. Then and, and it's also it's a spiritual warfare from that from that angle for me, um, literally. Shirley Ann, I wanted to thank you so much for joining us today. I, I would hope that you would keep in touch with us and as uh, this story keeps developing and keep us updated on how it goes. But again, I'm so sorry that you had to go through this, even just as a woman in South Carolina, but also as a veteran. 
having to yeah. go through this. You should yeah. not have to endure any of this. Um, and so I'm so sorry for that, but thank you for sharing your story. And I hope that you're able to get some justice and hopefully maybe their ears will perk up and they'll actually start listening now that you're you're being outspoken about this. So thank you so much for joining us. She's nuts, bro. I come across in banners. All right, so listen up. If you live in these 17 states, then you are in big trouble. All right, big trouble. Because if you haven't seen what's happening in California, that's what's probably going to happen in these 17 states as well. And probably nationwide, it's probably not going to stop at these 17. It's like, oh, this is a, they're going to have blackouts, not everyone else. But if you didn't see, California has declared an emergency over power grid failures. All right. So they're saying it's from the extreme heat and people, you know, running their AC, running their appliances. We covered how they were asking people not to charge their electric cars. All right, this is getting out of hand, but they're also now declaring an emergency. So pretty much this will give them power, give them control to just turn off the grid whenever they want, turn it off to certain sections, um, you know, limit, say, hey, it's not a choice anymore to not charge your car. You have to not charge it, right? It's, it's enforceable. And it's one of these things, it's like, these emergencies are being declared all over the United States every other day. Mississippi has a state of emergency. West Virginia had a state of emergency because they don't have enough police officers to man the jails and prisons and they literally are bringing in um, the National Guard to man the jails. So it's it's just like it's falling apart guys this feels like a collapse this feels like it's it what do we have to do what do we have to see now they're saying rolling blackouts in california i thought california was the utopia right and i feel bad for people there i know a lot of people there don't agree with this they don't want this happening and they wish they could change their situation and it's nothing to make fun of because this isn't like Oh, it's whatever, some random countries far away. Yeah, it's in South America or Central America or in Europe. And we don't really know that country. This is California, guys. Right? This is this is spreading. And these 17 states are also going to have the same exact restrictions as California. So I'm going to put up the map here for you because I can't remember all 17 off the top of my head. But 17's a lot, all right? That's a third of the nation is hopping on board with this at a time when energy prices are spiking, right? If you don't have some kind of generator or something, because they're, they're telling you, like they're limiting your power. Did you see in Colorado, this happened in Denver, Colorado, where <clears throat> they control people's thermostats they took over people's thermostats and said, nope, you can't lower the thermostat past this um, temperature, okay? And 
that's kind of crazy. I mean, you're the one that has the smart thermostat, so I guess you're kind of like set up for that. But they're not expecting that. And this was like tens of thousands of people have their thermostat remotely controlled from this company because an emergency was declared there and it was like oh a heat emergency and electricity emergency just like in california i think in denver right and we're not even far from denver we're a few hours from denver so this could happen anywhere guys we're a few hours from where this happened this is nuts all right the generator we have in case you want to get one it's this this is enough to power a 30 amp travel trailer right that's what we have is a 30 amp travel trailer and it is 3500 running watts 4500 starting watts it's a gas inverter generator so if you have a gas generator but you also get the clean energy from an inverter because if you just have a straight like uh generator that's not an inverter you probably don't want to be plugging your electronics into like your phone and your computer and your stuff like that because it's very dirty electricity it's a different kind of electricity it's like a it's a different kind of wave all right i don't want to get too much into it sorry about that my phone died but you really want to get an inverter if you're actually going to use it um you know in that scenario because that's probably where you're going to be using it for is like plugging your appliances in or Plugging your phone and plugging your computer and plugging your stuff and you know, getting it charged up, plugging a fan into you. You don't want to. You don't want to do that. And make sure you have a grounded generator as well. All right, you don't want to get shocked. And it's one of these things you're probably going to have to have oil for it too. So see what kind of oil it needs. It's going to need maintenance probably every hundred hours. It'll need a oil change. It's super easy. You just unscrew a little thing and most of them drains out and you just pour some more in. Super easy. So just stock up on all these things. Stock up on oil changes for your car as well. Because it might come a time where even oil to buy for your engines might start getting banned as well. You know, they might not even need to ban the engine yet. The 10W30 oil for your generator might be banned right or it might not be allowed to be sold and you have to buy it online or something you know it might be this whole ordeal just for you to get um oil to change your oil right so it's just it's all these random things i'm just thinking off the top of my head that i need to get prepared for it too i need to stock up on so let me know what you guys are doing what are you doing to get prepared this stuff's getting real all right this is crazy these 17 states are just going along with this agenda like this is a globalist world economic forum agenda to shut us down to shut down industry i was talking earlier today i made a whole video on it how um all the factories are shutting down because of electricity prices and power prices they cannot afford to operate all right and some of these factories like aluminum okay aluminum smelting metal smelting it takes months for them to generate enough heat to get the equipment going because it operates at extremely high temperatures and they smelt the ores right and then extract it so this is a shutdown this is a shutdown of our industry and now it's personal they're coming for your stuff too they're coming for your cars and they're also coming for your house all right they want to shut down the power of their house they want to have 
the control. That's what all this smart stuff's about. Smart meters, smart grids, all that stuff. If you have a smart meter on your house, honestly, I would I would recommend you to get that off because it just directly communicates. It sends very high intensity um, signals to the power company all the time. It's always communicating with them. It could, it could communicate with devices in your house, see how much power usage each device is using. I mean, that's that's probably how they figure out what, if you've ever seen on your power bills, some, some power companies, not super rural ones, but some like Duke Energy, right? I've seen this, where it breaks down all your stuff on your bill, right? It breaks down like, oh, your AC was this much. Like it's using the smart meter to, to monitor what's on, right? It can monitor like, oh, this is using this much wattage or whatever to start. So it's an AC starting, that's a fridge starting, that's a TV starting, right? And it can figure out, and some of them can communicate directly with it. So this is, this is what it's heading towards, shutting down, monitoring carbon credits for your whole life for everything, all right? We all know what this is. We all know what this is called. It's a mark, all right? But that's probably what the form it's gonna be is carbon credits, energy shutdowns, shutting down the grid, and then restoring it in a carbon credit way where everything you do is tracked and traced and it has to be approved you're given 100 credits to drive to the store for the day you're given 100 credits to you know run your ac for the day right and once you reach your limit that's it that's what they're literally doing in cuba they're just like turning on this city for six hours and turn on this city for six hours this city this city that's what they're doing in cuba right right 60 miles from florida so get prepared guys get a generator get solar too it's good to have them both they're both good for different things generators have more raw power solar is good for like charging batteries right so get them both guys get prepared oh get the little things too they have little tiny phone solar chargers um that are this big that are 20 bucks at walmart that will charge your phone i've used it before while camping all right so check it out guys thank you for all the support and you guys have a blessed day. Mayors all across the country, they are sick and tired of Confederate monuments. The mayor of Enfield, North Carolina, too. All right, folks, black mayors all across the country, they are sick and tired of Confederate monuments. The mayor of Enfield, North Carolina, took down one of those monuments. Mondo Robinson said, enough is enough. Uh, he replaced uh, a white Republican mayor in that particular uh, town in North Carolina. Uh, the decision to topple it based on the best interest of the nearly 2,400 people who live in the city, 85% of them black. All right, folks, black mayors all across the country, they are sick and tired of Confederate monuments. The mayor of Enfield, North Carolina, took down one of those monuments. Mondo Robinson said, enough is enough. Uh, he replaced you know, a white Republican mayor in that particular uh, town in North Carolina. Uh, the decision to topple the 94-year-old monument on Sunday night was based on the best interest of the nearly 2,400 people in the city. 85% of them black. Uh, this is what happened. It's time for this monument to come down. I tried with a hammer, it wasn't enough. I'm not even a trifle. Drive it down. Yeah, sir. Yes, 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 sir. Y
searching all the inward parts of humanity. Push that little one over too, bro. Mercy and truth is oh, no. king. And it's thrown. Not in my town, not on my watch. Not in my town, not on my watch. Men is their strength. And the beauty of old men is the gray hair. Not in my town, not on my watch. The blueness of a woman. All right, folks, uh, as a result of that, uh, white races were not happy. They began to post uh, these uh, notes all around town. Um, not happy at all. It says white people of Enfield, you have let a nigger, their word, tyrant, stomp on your white heritage. What will you do? Don't let them get away with anything. Loyal white knights, 247 phone number as well. Listen to their podcast and their phone number for them uh, to call in. Joining us now is the mayor of Enfield, uh, uh, North Carolina, Mondell Robinson. Glad to have you back on the show, Mondell. So, uh, folks have not, not been, white folks there have not been happy with you. Uh, look, the same thing happened in Birmingham. Uh, Randall Whitney took the monument down there. You had Stephen uh, Reed in Montgomery, Alabama, did the exact same thing. And so, I mean, look, you have these places, these, these majority black cities, where they have been forced to keep these monuments up by Republican legislators. Yeah, it's good to see you, Ro. Um, I hope you had a good vacation, brother. Here's the problem for me. This, this monument has stood since 1928 in that park and in my entire life, and I'm only 43 years old, that park is called the White Moon Park. It wasn't too recently until it got a name, uh, Randolph Park. Everybody in that park has the White Moon Park because black people first were not allowed there when they were. That monument was at uh, a water fountain was at that monument that said White Moon Park. Um, later in the years, after it was placed there, they put some, they etched on the back uh, some, some old to other wars. But the main, the main purpose of that Confederate monument, my man, was to remind black people that uh, the Confederacy was still alive. And this is some of this is some of the sentiments we've received, not just that leaflet that you saw from the Klan, but some of the emails I've been receiving from white residents and also white people all over this country about the invisible empire and how black people need to understand that the Confederacy uh, has never died and will never die. Um, and, I, and, I, and I mean, you know, for me, it was a no-brainer. My, my dad suffers uh, because he was the son of a shared copper. My grandfather died, not even being able to walk. My mother has memories of being sprayed uh, with water holes. And I, um, you know, deal with PTSD that's definitely associated with the epigenetics. And that PTSD was every time I saw that, that Confederate monument on the front of that statue, uh, I felt some type of way. This, this, this park is less than a block away from my house. Um, and uh, it had to go. So, you know, I'm not going to sit around and talk about it. I'm just going to do it. And whatever the legislature want to do, whatever the SBI want to do, we can deal with that when it's time to do Now, is there a state law in North Carolina that prohibits Confederate uh, monuments from being taken out or removed without approval from them? So this is this is the tricky part. Um, there is a statute that was passed in 2015 and uh, modified in 2017 in North Carolina that says you, the state you cannot move, remove, or you can't permanently move or remove statues that are uh, odes to old veterans or that are murals to veterans, but that's if the state owned it. There are some exceptions if, uh, if it's personally owned by a private group, like the Daughters of Confederacy, or if it's property of this of a town or a city, the state does not want to remove those monuments. But my board voted for the one to remove it. So I did that knowing that we had exceptions. There are exceptions for removing monuments if it poses a, a public safety or uh, a risk to public health. 
And I feel like black children seeing this see this monument in the front of swing sets at a park is definitely a threat to their 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 personhood. And I felt that, that that's enough ground to take it down the way I took it down. Um, and so uh, with this, um, uh, with that from the statue, uh, in the case of Alabama, there's a fine. They'll see it stepped up, paid the fine in Birmingham, paid the fine in Montgomery, uh, and they moved on. Uh, what are the repercussions you might face in North Carolina? So here's, a, here's a tricky part. The SBI is doing the investigation, but when they, when they interviewed me, they told me they were doing the investigation on behalf of Halifax County, the county where Enfield is. The problem with that is uh, there's there's no client. I mean, there's no plaintiff in this case because the, the SBI was talking about destruction of property, personal property. But my town owns that property, so I don't know what destruction they're talking about. Enfield's um, not going to press charges against me. The call to the SBI was actually done by Enfield's police because he felt like he didn't like the way I took it down, but he's not a voting member of our board. Our board had already decided that it was going to go, and I told the board to save the town money. I'll take it down myself, but I did just that. So whatever the repercussions is, if it's a fine, if it's a charge, um, we're going to carry on doing what we do, you know that. Uh, totally understand, Mondo Reynolds, and Mr. Bridget, thanks a lot. Overthrow it. Indeed. All right, I'm bringing my panel right now. Dr. Mustafa Santiago, our lead former senior advisor, Boyd Brightmore, Justin Teresa Lundin, principal founder, TML Communications, Demario Solomon Simmons, civil rights attorney, founder of Justice for Greenwood, who's joining us a little later in the show. Look, here's the whole deal here, uh, Teresa. Uh, you know, you've got these Republicans who are defenders of the Confederacy. Uh, they do not like uh, when black folks exert their power. They want to control these centers. Now, Republicans love to be talking about uh, local control except when black people are in charge. You're absolutely right. But even the basis of what the Confederacy stood for was about controlling uh, slavery, controlling the rule of law when black people were listed in. And so, you know, as we think about what the, the Civil War looked like and, you know, what they were fighting for, part, part of it was the moral sense of slavery. And so now it's modern day slavery in the midst of having these elected officials still trying to control African-Americans, our funding. Um, they come with different laws and, you know, also just try to matriculate different things that really don't have a hold um, on some of our communities. So it's definitely important that we start to understand and um, what it looks like and also the senders of these messages say they fight against slavery, but yet we keep seeing time and time again when um, their claws actually hang out. And the thing here, uh, Mustafa, it is simple. These Republicans do not want black folks determining their own fate. They want to force black presidents and black elected officials to have to keep these Confederate monuments. They want to keep the Confederacy alive, and that is today's Republican Party in Mississippi, in Alabama, in South Carolina, in Georgia, in Arkansas. We could go on and on and on. It is in the South.
And so I'm very, very happy that the mayor moved forward in the way that he did, in the decisiveness of the way that he did. And I hope that all of us will also back him up. If there's a fine, we should make sure that the money is raised in a matter of minutes to make sure that that's taken care of. I just get a kick out of the folks again who do all they can to defend this when we invest in ourselves, our clothing, our vision, our vibe, we all shine. Together, we are black beyond measure. It's time to be smart. Bring your eyeballs home. The day This incredible smart patch draws out decades of built-up toxins. They cost less than $2 and work in your sleep so you don't have to lift a finger. Research uncovered the toxins stored deep inside your body from hundreds of new modern-day pollutants found in everything from food to cleaning products and even the air that you breathe. Doctors call it bioaccumulation, but big pharma companies don't want you to know about it. Regular toxins like alcohol filter through the liver and kidneys and are flushed out of the body. The problem is, our bodies aren't meant to process these artificial toxins, so they build up in our body over the years and cause harmful side effects if left untreated like poor concentration, irritability, skin problems, insomnia, belly fat, and headaches to name a few. Only ultra-strict dieting and frequent exercise can slow it down. That's not only time-consuming, it's expensive. It wasn't until this team of Japanese scientists created an alternative. They realized the salts of the feet have the highest concentration of sweat pores in the human body. After hundreds of tests, they perfected an ingenious formula that draws out your body's built-up waste products through the bottom of the feet without you even knowing it. They named it the Nupo Smart Patch. It's safe, painless, and best of all, it works in your sleep, so you don't have to lift a finger. Just remove the adhesive backings and apply them to the soles of your feet before bed. And wake up to see years of gross toxic waste collected in the patches. Watch as the dark coloration disappears over the 10-day period. When it first launched, the product spread by word of mouth in the medical community. But with the rise of TikTok, it started trending online. Since launching last year, Nubu has sold over 15 million patches with happy customers all over the world. After sending her kids to college, Katie was ready to retire. She exercised, ate healthy, and did all of the right things. But she was tired all the time and couldn't focus. No amount of coffee or supplements seemed to fix it. Her daughter saw Nupu on TV and bought her one to give it a try. At first, she was skeptical, but when she woke up the next morning, she was amazed and disgusted. She saw a doctor who explained what had happened. The fast food, cigarettes, cleaning products, and other artificial chemicals she was exposed to over the years were built in her system she was poisoning her body but after using 
people for 10 days she felt clear and refreshed like never before. She even bought two more packs for her friends thanks to the bundling discount. To celebrate their one-year anniversary, Nubu is offering an exclusive 70% discount so you can order a pack of 10 patches for just 18 euros. Nubu is not available on Amazon or in stores. It's available exclusively through this online offer for a limited time. Want my advice? Skip the expensive green juices and bizarre rituals to detoxify your body and try Nubu instead. Click the link below to visit the official website and order Nubu with a 70% discount while supplies last. This man was part of AT&T's multi-billion dollar mission to ensure that more African-Americans became the supplier. The suppliers working with the company said that the happening, they contend, the company refused uh, to work with the company and stole their business plan. Running out of Atlanta is Jerome Henderson. He's the president of EDN Communications and Technology. And from Dallas, Texas, Derek Scott, a black AT&T executive, who said he's a victim of ongoing intimidation tactics other criminal behavior at AT&T, but they have nothing to do here. So, uh, first and foremost, in terms of what is the, the, the basic allegation you're making against uh, AT&T? Roland, first of all, thank you for having us on your show today. And, you know, when we look at technology in our company, in our country and bridging the digital divide, you know, from the 9-11 Commission, the U.S. Department of Commerce made a decision to put out an RFP to make sure that never again in this country first responders would ever have to go without communicating. And from that, the Department of Commerce birthed the, the, the first net authority. AT&T won that $9 billion lawsuit and 20-year, $47 billion initiative. EDN Communication, my company's uh, communication and, and process as being the first black person that's authorized dealer was to ensure that this technology reached our community and bridges the digital divide for in, in black community and black law enforcement. And not only did we set out to do that and win every month for an eight-month time period, and I want you to understand and the listeners to understand that this contract only lasted for eight months before it was terminated for convenience. But for that eight-month time period, we were first and second every month in the company for putting this technology in black law enforcement with organizations like the City of Dallas, Georgia Department of Juvenile Justice, Houston. Even when the NFL came to Atlanta, we put over 500 devices for security and, and inside of the NFL to ensure that this technology worked. And all of a sudden, one day I wake up and get with over $25 million in sales for to an email that says, you know what, you're growing too big. Your contract is terminated for convenience. And the gentleman that's on the phone with us, Derek Scott, was my AT&T manager who said differently. And I'll let you tell him tell you what happened to him once he began to refute that terrible decision that they made. Derek? Well, I appreciate that, and thanks again for the time today. I think Jerome is absolutely right. Uh, this is a, a nine-month process where they, Jerome and I didn't know each other before this common point, and they put us together, and when they did, we started to do exactly what we were asked to do with my job, uh, and Jerome to do his job. Um, once that began to happen, we start, I started to see some anomaly inside of the that made me question, was this something that was across the board for all people that were in this program? partners and channel in this channel 
but was this a specific for the black entrepreneur that was into this uh, organization? As I dug deeper and started asking these questions, that's exactly what I found. So once I found that, I started asking the questions, and this is going to be something that's for everyone, or are we treating them differently? Once I started exposing that, there became the issues of the nine months of complete hell. For myself, uh, individually inside uh, AT&T, uh, as an AT&T employee, and for drone outside. So to answer your question specifically, I need specifically uh, and, uh, a lawsuit with AT&T for um, retaliation and for racial discrimination, for discrimination rather. So those are the two things, from my perspective, inside of AT&T that led to this nine months, one year um, uh, retaliation and discrimination lawsuit. Wow. Um, and so, uh, where does so where does the suit stand? First of all, uh, and has it been a response uh, drawn from AT and T? Well, uh, no, they haven't responded. We've had to sue them to, uh, over and over again. You know, Roland, I was the nation's first black Disney franchise owner. You know, when the NAACP, with the same Department of Commerce, but NAACP uh, settled a fair share agreement with uh, Denny's and found them guilty of discrimination, this is probably larger and bigger than that particular point. And from that point, I became the nation's first black Denny's franchise owner. And when it comes to supplier development, we begin to put together these different processes to ensure that black people are part of contracts with companies like AT&T, AGO Resources, Home Depot, and companies that my company has helped grow and build. I've been with AT&T for 16 years, helping grow their minority and, and, and you know diverse force. And for them to do this to me, and then for Derek to mention it and retaliate against him and, and at the same time, you know, our goal is to ensure that number one, this happens to no one else, but also to help everyone understand that every month, they're making millions of dollars for technology that we put in black communities and black law enforcement. And we're simply out of, of that. And, and, and even worse than that, Roland, to go back and to, with organizations like the National Organization of Black Law Enforcement and other relationships that I brought into the AT&T world, and to begin to take my name and my company and destroy my character and my name is even as painful because we invest in our community just 30 days ago with Bubba Street YMCA. I'm sure you're familiar with the historic Bubba Street YMCA area. We just launched a Good Trouble John Lewis Memorial Park. And those are the kind of things that companies and black businesses like myself invest in and invest back in our community. So when these things happen, you don't just destroy my company or take from me. You take from the community, the people, and the things that we invest in. You know, just like, you know, uh, you know, uh, uh, companies and different and other small businesses that we support and bring in as sub-suppliers under us. So this is a big thing as it relates to AT&T and what are they doing about it? Nothing. We've had to sue them for We're in court now. They've, they've fought to try to move this case to Dallas. We moved it back to Atlanta. And so we're here in court in Atlanta trying to get me paid. I mean, if it, you know, one thing to get rid of my contract, but to not pay me and to just say, you've got $25 million in Salesforce for that. You know, you've got an 85% success ratio. You took me to the masters because I'm this great, you know, employee of yours. You took me and my wife on a free trip, gave us 
with free money as one of some of the top one of the top performers in your company. And when it got time for you to pay me the money that you owe me, you get rid of me for words called convenience. We just can't let that happen to a company like that. It, it, you know, the nation's number one telecom. This this reminds me of uh, first of all, there are several things that reminds me of. Uh, mm -hmm. Uh, I think back to there was a like, really Gary representative some brothers who came up with the idea for a sports complex uh, in Florida. Uh, and they successfully did it. Uh, and they won that lawsuit. Um, and uh, when I think about, uh, look, I was just talking about going to break. Uh, you know, we got, uh, my company got, um, got a call today from uh, a firm that handled the advertising for, for several political campaigns uh, and what they what they put on the table is an abomination uh, and, and I'm, I'm not going to name the campaigns yet I'm, gonna, I'm not going to put the, the mouth out here yet but let me just say uh, let me just say I damn near get paid that for the speech and the thing that's interesting to me is and I keep saying this to people if you want to talk about why we are in the condition that we are in, it's because black companies are not allowed to be able to build capacity, they can grow. We have the numbers, we can show how great we do. Uh, Joe Anthony, when he hit the studio, DDB Worldwide said they got a $4 billion media contract with the US Army. He's the, they helped get it, but then once they got the contract, it was occurred. So then he sued it. And so we see this, and 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 and, this, and, and what we're seeing is that we're not, you know, in, in their, your case, you're executive there. Uh, we were frozen out of America for quite some time. But even we're talking about building our businesses. This is what happens when we even launch businesses. Then, then they starve us, uh, and then force us to be able to take pennies on the dollar or refuse to pay us at all. You're exactly right, Roland. And and not only that, can you imagine being the poster child? You know, uh, AT&T has me all over the country. We're going to spend $3 billion, listen to this word, with black suppliers by 2020. And I'm in articles across the country and all of that. And within that same year, before they announced that they spent over $3 billion, they didn't announce that they took my money and terminated my contract for convenience. Look at what happened to Byron Allen. The same thing with AT&T when they bought uh, CNN and Time Warner. They shut Byron out. They just simply took his programs off. What did Byron have to do? He was awarded $50 million and then soon Comcast for over a billion and that one was settled. We have to speak. Because if we as business owners will begin to push, just like we did Denny's, look at the success with Denny's. Denny's was $27 a share until black people got on Roland Martin's show and said, we're not going to take it. And guess what happened? Those shares went down to seven cents a share and I became the nation's first black Denny's franchise owner and helped other organizations get that. We've got to do the same thing with AT&T and its First Net Authority because First Net is, is owned by the U.S. Department of Commerce. This is a Biden administration, and there's a bill that uh, uh, Congresswoman Demings is authoring right now for the renewal of this contract. We need to just call Congresswoman Demings and our Congressional Black Caucus leaders and say, do not approve this next bill, approve First Net again, until there is inclusion for black suppliers inside of that. And we need to talk about the dark side of diversity, equity, inclusion. We can't leave the black out of diversity, equity, inclusion, because that's another thing that we're faced with white women and all those different things. Nothing against that, Roland, but it's just what we face 
face to face all the time. And then you give us these contracts, you take us from us, and we've got all these employees and everyone else that we're embarrassed and we're out here in a relationship because you can take it and no one says anything. Not on my one, dude. I'm going to sit on it. Don't get me started. DEI is totally BS for me. Now, Derek, you say you're being targeted. So are you a part of Jerome's lawsuit, or do you have another plan to get to the I have a separate case. Uh, so, as much as we're talking about outside, it's happening inside as well. The shackles are on inside as well as outside. So, I'll give you a few examples of what they've done to me since I've met Jerome and since I've started asking these questions. They've done things like put me on a uh, performance improvement plan, even though I made a 110% plan that year of 2018, at that point in time. 20, yeah, 2018. Uh, with five of my associates, seven that were under 70% had absolutely zero. Uh, re retaliation against them whatsoever should have been put on a performance improvement plan. They did the opposite. It's helped them get through that point. So that happened through the end of 2018 uh, in, in conjunction with what they were doing to Jerome. They purposely spent time taking travel away from me, making me do extra work. I spent an extra 40 to 50 hours a week just explaining my daily job on top of doing my job, and I still performed a good job. And what did they do the following year when it was time for review time? They gave me a 0% raise out of the 200 plus thousand employees that work for at and Everyone is required by their own standards to have a performance review every year and a time frame by February and closed out by March and April time frame. They did not do mine at all. I had to end up uh, going to them four or five different times, filing multiple claims to get them to even open my annual review. When my re annual review was finally done, it was July. And what they did in that annual review is they let the, the manager that put me on the performance plan that should have never happened put negative performance on my review that's still there today. They have taken and ruined my reputation, they've ruined my career, they've ruined my success model. They've ruined um, my outside uh, reputation within my company. They've taken money from me, and they continue to do so. And the people that are doing this are still in place. This is a systemic problem within the company that continues to happen. And until we do something about it and say something about it and stop these type of oppression, it will continue to happen. Now, Roland, if you can take this into perspective, this is a young brother here that fought for me. I had no idea that he filed an EEOC complaint about how they were treating me differently. I had no idea that when they came after him, he had to file a second EEOC complaint for retaliation. This is unbeknownst to me. I'm thinking they're attacking me, but this young man was in position to be an AT&T officer, you know, and they gave him to me because they said, well, we think Jerome works better with a black manager. Okay, I did. We were successful at what we were doing. We're number one into the company every month. We're beating companies like Panasonic, Dell. Nobody could compete with us because it's true if we come together as a community and begin to do business with one another it was law enforcement we didn't just deploy the department of juvenile justice which was the first first net deployment and the largest we put att university in there we went and sure and made sure those kids got we started kids in code hackathon you know app. we invested into the future of that they've got years of their partnership with their own family and so forth to bring them up in the system but the moment that we they sent a letter an email to the city of dallas saying that and i'm in the middle of getting paid rolling 1.8 million dollars for the city of dallas and more i'm in the middle of getting
submitting my first checks on that, they shut it all off and then told the city of Dallas that they don't work with it anymore. The city of Dallas sent an email to them and said, if EDN communication is not a part of this deployment, we are not deploying. You know, we hired, you know, chief, chief, uh, the chief of police in the city of Dallas at that time, Chief Renee Hall, had a youth organization. We brought those young mentees from her youth organization. Not only did we teach them technology and bring them into this cutting-edge technology for law enforcement all over the country, all over America, we made sure that when they graduated, they wanted to get in that they could get jobs, they could get hired. You're not just terminating me. You're not just getting rid of my company taking my money, but you're also taking the future of what I stand for and bridging the gap for, for the digital divide in black communities. And I can't sleep on that, bro. I mean, it hurts me that Derek, who's in the process of being an officer inside the company, just because he stood up for me, he is now being blackballed and retaliated and trying to force him out just because he made the right decision. And we don't even want to have a conversation with the people that they shut down and couldn't even call me, Roman, because this was going on. All right, gentlemen, certainly keep us abreast of what happens with both of your cases. Thanks a lot. We absolutely thank you. Thank you, Roman. Uh, I want to bring my panel back, Erica, uh, Greg, and Reese. And uh, uh, Greg, I'll start with you on this one. It's amazing to me, and, and I think I post this all the time. I could talk about some bullshit. I could post some bullshit on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and all of a sudden, folks would respond like crazy. And, and I posted something the other day. I forgot what it was, and I, and I actually, I know what it was. Folks were talking about. Uh, folks were talking about. Uh, they talking about Nick Cannon and, and, and his children. And I said, well, you have these 10, Andy Murphy got 10. And all these folks responded, and what was a trip was, uh, it may have had five, six, seven hundred comments. And I said, you know what, that's real interesting. Because when I post about us not getting access to billions, is 7, 8, 10. And what I keep saying to black folks, if we're not following the money, that's why we have this thing called Where's Our Money? This is why we are in the situation we're in right now. This is why we are hoping for white philanthropy to give to our HBCUs. This is why our black civil rights organizations are not funded by us. They're funded by corporate America. This is why they can't be aggressive in going after corporate America in cases like this because that's who's actually funding them. And so if folks don't understand, if you're talking about America and you ain't talking about the money, you ain't talking about America. Roman, I, I tell you, brother, um, I don't have a good answer. I, I mean, the, the capitalist system we live in is not defined by countries. It's defined by corporations. And these interlocking international corporations uh, that continue to oppress people locally. Now, how that plays out locally is, is readily apparent. I mean, this lawsuit, you know, having read the complaint, it isn't surprising, it isn't stunning, but it is, I think, a reminder to those of us who can cut through all of this noise 
to pay attention. It is a reminder of how power works. You're absolutely right. I mean, to, 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 to read the complaint and understand that uh, Brother Edmondson uh, averts that AT&T didn't even know what noble was, didn't realize that black law enforcement officials through cities like Dallas and Atlanta control over 50% of first responder uh, budgets. And so when AT&T figured out that he had better end than they did, and in the complaint he averts that his sales force outsold all of AT&T's Lily White sales force, they basically decided to cut his throat. I mean, you talk about a move that we should be up in arms about. It was remarkable to see how these white boys just decided, hell no. And so for Dallas to respond as it did, for him to get the venue, continue to be in Atlanta, you know, I, I can imagine Jerry Jones picking up the phone, talking to his golf buddies at AT&T and saying, we're gonna get this N-word out the paint. I don't give a damn what you mean. And then meanwhile, here we are, paying our monthly bills to AT&T, worried about how many kids that my friend Nick Cannon has, and we can't get grabbed by the lapels and understand that until we can pull together the one power we do have, if we will actualize it, which is numbers of people, meaning we have to not only support black news media, we have to listen to what's being said and then think for ourselves, I really don't see a, 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 a future forward for the American people. I really don't, because we're going to be victorious. And, and there are those. Uh, this is what we talked. I was, I was telling someone this earlier. In Dr. King's book, Where Do We Go From Here, Chaos or Community? He said that there are four institutions that are prime position to liberate black men. He said the Negro Church, the Negro Press, Negro fraternities and sororities, and Negro professional, professional and business organizations. And um, what he said specifically, and the reason I focus on this, obviously, um, I focus on this because what he said is that the Negro press cannot fall for the conservative and must maintain its militancy. Then he talked about professional organizations turned to sororities. What he's talking about, this is the collective mass of black people, where you can use your power and your leverage to be able to make a series of demands. And so, if all of a sudden, that's what Operation Breadbasket was about. That's what Reverend Leon Sullivan was doing in Philadelphia, who introduced that concept to Dr. King, who adopted as Operation Breadbasket. Basket. There were plans to create Operation Red Basket chapters across the country separate from the Southern Christian Leadership Conference. As Coretta Scott King said, they killed Kamal Martin when he tried to talk about the money. And so, what I am trying to get these, these hard-headed black folks today who keep saying, man, you out here begging a white man for money. Well, fool, you go. What did the robbers say? Why do you rob banks? Because that's where the money's at. <laughs> So what? So part of our deal is we've got to have our institutions, our black churches, fraternities and sororities, business professional organizations, and black media aligned asking a question. One check. I know, look, revelation folk, you trying to get the political people to do that. 
And the other thing, you know, a few points um, which you made there, when we talk about pillars, the first one that you named, black folks, the black church, we are the most philanthropic group in this country. So that's off the top, period. That's where people take their coins to the church. And we are the most giving. Not even talking about the um, extra ticking that we do to kind of add in the notion that black people don't tip, which is a complete utter lie. But then that makes me think about, too, when we talk about those four specific institutions about the Chamber of Commerce that are supposed to represent all businesses within the community. But we know that that's another um, arm of the uh, Republican right wing ideology and way to get um, people riled up and to communicate to those folks that are in Congress. They do it all day, every day. They have an institution whereby members do pay a fee to be a part of the chamber at different levels and then they communicate their list of demands to their legislators both at the state level and at the congressional level so listen i think you know it's a, a few things we can do housewives and we can also be about our business at the same time but we have to do something that i've heard ricky and greg talk about earlier we have to keep our foot and i think that we can do that um with a real focus with an understanding that this is something that happens in elections for republicans all the time there's always foolishness that we see on their side but one thing that we know we, that they have in common is that republicans lean heavily authoritarian but they all think also one sheet of music so if we can get people to understand that the policies that are going to help progress us and move us forward and get us to a place where we are able to call our own shot are not with the party that literally wants to see us dead and that lies heavily within the republican party the chamber and other entities that really are called to make sure that their list of demands are made known and that that legislation and policy does happen when we invest in ourselves, we're investing in what's next for all of us. Growing, creating, making moves. To move us all forward. Together, we are Black Beyond Measure. Oh, Black Star Network.